everybody. My name is Bill Kiefer, and I want to welcome you to our podcast, Practical Wisdom from the Word of God. I believe the Bible is a book that God gave to us that's full of insights, wisdom, promises, and many other things that help us live daily life. So join me for the next few minutes as we look into the Word of God to find that practical wisdom we need today. Should the enemy try to condemn our fight, his righteousness will Well, praise God. Welcome again to our podcast. This is Practical Wisdom from the Very Word of God. Hallelujah. My name is Bill Kiefer, and we're going to share some things with you today that I believe will help you if you look at them from the right perspective in a very practical way to overcome in life as we live it right here. We've been talking all all the uh, period that we've been doing this podcast about a, a particular idea God spoke to me for this year, and that's common. That's the way I kind of do things. And he said, this is a year for us to become or become more aware that we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loved us. Paul went through all kinds of tribulations, but he said, in all of them, I'm more than a conqueror. What is more than a conqueror? A lot of things. Somebody who wins uh, uh, overwhelming victories, final victories, is more than a conqueror. And also the idea is that even in the middle of the trial, we are able to live victorious, conquering lives. I know I'm winning in the end, no matter what it may look like today. So we live in a day where there's all kinds of instability. We just finished talking about Psalm 112, where we spoke about a man who lived a life of stability. It said he's never moved by bad news. He's never afraid. And then we had an all uh, a long list of things that came into his life because of that and things that he did in order to get to that place. And the bottom line for all of this in Psalm 112, at least, for this man was that he was established. His heart was established, set up. It was firm. It, it was long-lasting. And it was established in trusting in God. No matter what else happened, he knew that God was there for him and that God was going to take care of whatever came his way. So even if it took time, even if there was some period of disruption in his life or disquiet in his life, he never let it get to him because he knew that God was there. And that's the way we need to be. I'll tell you what, God is for you. God is with you. God is right where you are today. God knows what you're going through. God knows how old you are. God knows where you live. He's there. He said he'd never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom and everything else you need will be added unto you. Now, that doesn't mean we get everything we want, nor does it mean everything works out the way we think it should, or it does not also, it also does not mean that everything's going to be easy. It just means in the end we can win. And therefore, Jesus said, you can be of good cheer and have peace because you know in the end you win. So that's what we're talking about. I want to deviate just a little bit and talk about uh, it's not really a deviation, but talk about something that may seem unrelated. We're looking, uh, I want you to look in your Bibles uh, to Luke chapter 4, very familiar section of Scripture. Jesus has come back from being tried by the devil, and it, the, the Bible says that he came back in the power of the Holy Ghost, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and he went into the synagogue as was his custom. They, they knew him there. They knew who he was. They knew where he came from, and that was part of the problem, wasn't it? And he said he took the book to read, and he, and he read from the prophet Isaiah, uh, quoting, uh, talking about what we're going to look at today. And then it says in verse 17, and he handed the book uh, of Isaiah, he handed it back uh, to the 
well, this is later, rather. He ha- but he opened the book, he read it, and he found a place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord. Forgive me for being a little messed up here today. I'm just trying to find the right place in my Bible. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, bless, uh, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to le- heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And in verse 20, it says he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. Now, traditionally, the fact that he sat down was part of what really stirred them up because the chair he sat in was a chair in every synagogue. This is what uh, traditionally is understood. doesn't specifically say it there, but that he sat in the chair reserved for the Messiah. And he says, today, all of this that you read here has been fulfilled. It begins now. This is the beginning, really, of the fulfillment of what this is talking about. The question that we have to ask is, what is he talking about here? We read this and we, we look at the elements. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. We, we get that. He has anointed me. We get that. We're to preach the gospel to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind. All of that makes sense to us. We know what those things are. But this last thing, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. What is that all about? What is he talking about when he talks about the acceptable year of the Lord? Well, to get that, we really need to understand some things about uh, the Hebrew culture, about the, the, the way things worked. And in Leviticus chapter 25, and I want you to read this whole chapter. It's a very important chapter for to in order to understand what we're talking about. But it says in verse 8, you will count seven Sabbaths of years for yourself, seven times seven years. The time of the seven Sabbaths of years shall be to you 49 years. Then uh, you shall cause the trumpet Uh, of the Jubilee to sound on the 10th day of the seventh month of the Day of Atonement. You shall make trumpet sound throughout all your land. Now, here's what, if you read farther back in this chapter, here's the way things worked in Israel. They always functioned in cycles of seven. We know about the Sabbath. Six days you work, seventh day you rest. When God gave manna, six days you got manna. On the sixth day, you got enough to take care of the seventh day and see you through until you got it on the next one or the eighth day. And so there are these cycles Cycles of seven. Uh, the Sabbath, we know the Sabbath was uh, was something that, that God instituted. He said, on the seventh day, you shall rest. And so uh, we, we tend to get that a little bit mixed up in our thinking uh, because in a lot of circles, Jewish circles, uh, particularly Hasidic and, and very fundamental Jewish circles, some very fundamental Christian circles, the Sabbath is a rest. You're not supposed to do anything but think about God, talk to God. You didn't do any kind of natural work, anything but spend your time focused on God. And that that's true to a degree. I think that's an intent of this to keep our to get our mind focused back on the things of God once a week is certainly not a bad thing. That's why our Sabbath, if you will, and, and there are those who are going to argue, well, the Sabbath is Saturday, so not Sunday. Well, the Christians began to celebrate or to, to gather together on the first day of the week, which was Sunday. So for us, it functions the same way. But the point of it is, Jesus said something when the when the, uh, the Pharisees were giving him a hard time about healing on the Sabbath. He said, you don't understand the purpose of this thing. He said, man was not created for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was created for man. What a powerful statement there. You see, everything God did in this cycle of sevens 
was really for man's benefit. There's something that benefits me, and, and really, it's God-enforced rest. Hallelujah. You know, rest is important to an individual. If we don't rest enough, we our health isn't good, our functionality isn't good, our focus isn't good, stress can become a real problem. Even life expectancy goes down if we do not get enough rest. So God said, once a, once a week, on, on the Sabbath day, whatever day you want to pick, Saturday, Sunday, don't really make any difference, but set that time aside and you rest. Get focused on me, but rest your body as well. And so there's another cycle of sevens that, that he's referring to here, and that's the cycle of seven Sabbath years uh, where God said, I want you to rest the land once every seven years. Isn't it interesting? I studied, when I was studying in school, I found out about causing a, a one a field to lie fallow for a year and that that would help its productivity. God put it into his system. He said, every for six years, you plant, you farm just like you normally would any other time. But for the seventh year, the land must rest. So there was another cycle of sevens. Every seventh year, the land had to rest. It, lie, it would lie fallow. They could take what it produced naturally and, and eat it, and, and, but they couldn't cultivate it. They couldn't plow it. They couldn't plant in it. They could just let it do what it needed to do to recover itself. What a powerful thing the Word of God really is. But then you find that there's another pattern of sevens. Seven times seven uh, years is 49 years. So for for 49 years, six years you planted, seventh year it rested. Six years you planted, uh, the seventh year it rested. Then you get to year 49. 49 is a rest year. But at the end of 49, you come to something, another number that is not divisible by seven, is it? And that number is 50. What happened on the 50th year? Now, everybody in, in Jesus' audience would have understood this. They would have known what, what he was talking about. Because in the 50th year was something called the Jubilee. Hallelujah. You know, you always see uh, in, in Civil War era things, movies or whatever, where a lot of the slaves were always talking about the Jubilee. Why were they talking about the Jubilee? Because they knew what the Jubilee was. Every 50th year. Now, that means generally, once in a person's life cycle, this jubilee is going to come about. What happened in the jubilee? Well, the Bible talks about a number of things. It says uh, in verse 11, for instance, it says, In the 50th year you shall be a jubilee to you. In it you shall neither sow nor reap. Uh, you can reap whatever it comes of its own accord. But in verse 12, it says, For it is a jubilee, it shall be holy to you. You shall eat its produce from the field. I'm actually looking for verse 13. And uh, it says, In this year of jubilee, each of you shall return to his possession. And then it goes on, it says, And if you sell anything to your neighbor from your neighbor's land, you shall not oppress them. And it talks a lot about this idea of going back to your possession. Each family, each tribe had a possession. And within those tribes, in the land of promise, that is, and within those tribes, there were those who who had uh, uh, a certain land that was familial land. And so sometimes in the course of life, uh, what would happen is, they would lose that. They'd have to sell it. Bad things happen. Bad times will come. And so they would have to sell that land. And so God says to them, every 50th year, everything is going to go back to, 
to go, back to start. The land's going to rest once a year, every seventh year, but at the 50th year, everything rests and everything gets reset. What a thought. I mean, if you sold something that belonged to your family, you know, uh, maybe you you made bad decisions. Maybe you committed a sin of some kind. Maybe you uh, you just just life happened and things didn't work out. Whatever the reason, that didn't matter. Once every fifty years. All of that was turned back. Hallelujah. All of the family lands went back to the family. Everything that had, all the mistakes, if you will, that had been made get turned back. And once again, everything is where it's supposed to be. Hallelujah. All the possessions go back. Uh, if you had if you had uh, 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 come to the place where you were very poor, you know, the Bible, and in this scripture, I, I kind of didn't find the, the verse. I thought I had it in my head, but oh, okay. In verse 10, at the end of verse 10, it says, and each of you shall return to his family. I think it's interesting. Not only the possessions got turned back, but it says each of you shall return to his family. So once every 50 years, all the family problems had to go away. By the law of God, you ha- you returned to your family. Things got taken care of. Things got right. I mean, you know, I don't know necessarily how this worked out in everyday living for them, but I know that it's in the Bible. I know it's what God commanded. He said, I'm not going to let these family disputes go on forever. At 50 years, they're done with. Hallelujah. So if they started a year ago, you get to the Jubilee, they're done with. If they started 49 years ago, you get to the Jubilee, they're done with. All of the possessions go back. Things that you had lost go back. Can you imagine if you're a, a, a son and and you took over the family business and you ran it into the ground and it was a mess and it was because you you messed up you made bad decisions you 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 weren't a good businessman but you get to year 49 and and you're you're out there you're maybe trying to work trying to get by and at year 49 you understand something's going to happen at 50 at year 50 i get a chance to start again all of my mistakes are wiped away all the things i did wrong are wiped away. And so at year 50, everything goes back to start. Another, there was another thing in, in terms of the way things worked in Israel. And that was that if you came to be poor, it says right in this chapter, if, if your brother, your fellow Israelite uh, gets, comes to the place of, of real poverty, then, then they could. One of the things that they could do in order to survive was become a slave to another Israelite. Now, it's very clear in here that the way they were treated was not like slaves are generally treated. They were treated as hired workers. But the truth is, they were slaves. They really didn't have any choice. Whatever the master wanted to give them, he gave them. He is admonished to take care of them well. But that's kind of up to him if he if he abides by that or not. But. If you were destitute, we can't imagine that that would any way be godly. But think about it. They didn't have social security. They didn't have welfare. They had no kind of safety net. If they were destitute, they were going to die probably of hunger. They could maybe beg. That was the only other choice. Or they could give an honest day's uh, labor and become a slave. But you know what? That slavery could not go beyond the year of Jubilee. Hallelujah. So it couldn't last through your whole life. If you were 25 years in, you might have to be a slave for 25 years, but at the end of that 25 years, that bondage would cease. Hallelujah. That's what the year of Jubilee was like. That's what it was about for Israel. It was about a new start. Once in every person's life, generally speaking, now obviously some people died before and in the middle of that, that, that cycle, but generally speaking, 
Once in every individual's life, they get to start all over again. What a powerful thing. But here's the deal. In the Old Covenant, you had the Abrahamic Covenant, which was primarily a physical covenant that had spiritual ramifications. I don't mean to say it wasn't in any way spiritual, but it was its outworkings were in the natural. The sacrifices were natural. The worship was natural. The results, to a great degree, had more to do with natural things than supernatural things. But we don't live under the Abrahamic covenant. We don't live under the old covenant. We live under the new covenant. And the new covenant is just the opposite. It is a spiritual covenant with natural ramifications. But something, whereas the old jubilee had to do with your stuff, your status, all of those kind of things. And it was, I mean, why I brought that up, why I like to look at this is because we can relate to that. Man, if if, the other thing that happened was debts got canceled. I mean, you're, you're deep in debt and you're on year four. 49 and you're coming up to year 50 and you know at that point every debt is going to be wiped out man that is something that is we can we can relate to the kind of release that that would be but Jesus when he talked to these Jewish people he read that uh, Isaiah's prophecy concerning this jubilee he Isaiah said that it's going to be a day when basically when everybody all the time can have access to a jubilee for their life and he sat down and he said this is now fulfilled uh, opening of sight to the blind. We're talking about uh, healing the brokenhearted. We're talking about uh, all these things that Jesus preached about in Luke chapter 4. Uh, and it's, uh, let me just read it again. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. So if you're poor, the gospel can come to you. You know, when Jesus said, it's hard for a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven, his disciples said, well, who, who can be saved? Because poor people had a hard time receiving spiritual or religious things or, or su- certainly supernatural things. And so he says, you're going to preach the gospel to the poor. Now, that doesn't just mean uh, physically poor, does it? It means those who are poor in spirit and do not know Jesus. He said to them, uh, you're going to um, uh, heal the brokenhearted, not just physically broken, but brokenhearted people. Liberty to captives, that's that freedom from slavery, freedom from bondage. You know, we live in a lot of kind of bondage in this world. We don't have to live in it. We have something that can set us free and recovery of sight to the blind and to uh, set at liberty all who are oppressed. Let me tell you what, This life right now, this world that we live in has the tendency to bring oppression to us. But Jesus said, I've got an anointing. I'm bringing something that can change all that. And then he sat down and he said, this day, this day, the day he spoke it, not today, but it works today. The day he spoke it, this prophecy, this thing, this jubilee is being fulfilled right before you. Hallelujah. Jesus, the new birth is our jubilee. One of the things that keeps you from overcoming, one of the things that keeps you from from overcoming the world and being victorious and being more than conqueror is this thing that the devil holds uh, over our head that you are what your past says you are. That's the way people look at it. That's the way nat- the uh, natural people evaluate it. But I want you to know that Jesus doesn't look at it that way. The Bible says that if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. 
Old things passed away. All things have become new. You see, the thing about your past is, now listen, everybody has one and a lot of them aren't very good. And there are sometimes, listen to me now, there are sometimes consequences that you're going to have to continue to deal with. There are all kinds of, I mean, if you if you were a criminal and you end up in jail, uh, listen, you're not going to just get out. God can work with that. And I've heard many stories of people giving favor and got out early. But if you're in jail because you committed a crime, you're in jail because you committed a crime and getting saved is not going to change the fact you committed the crime. Those are consequences. Uh, another one that, that is very big in our day. I mean, uh, if, if you have sex outside of marriage, if you have sex with a bunch of people and people that you're not committed to and a child is conceived, that child is conceived. Now, in our culture, we have said, well, you know, the mother has the right just to, just to get rid of it. Listen, I'm not making a politi- uh, any kind of political statement here, but if you do not interfere with that child, that child will be born, that child will grow up, that child will be a human being who has potential to do anything and everything that anybody's ever done, and to destroy that child is nothing short of murder. I don't mean to be inflammatory. It's just, I don't see how people can see it any other way. Uh, and so I don't see that as a solution to the problem. So um, if you don't go that route, there's going to be a person. You can't just throw that person away. Maybe you give them up for adoption. That's something, but you can't just cancel that person. I mean, he that person was created because you made a choice. Now, here's the thing about these choices. They tend to define us. They tend to say, you are this because you did that. You lied, so you're a liar. You stole, so you're a thief. You, you got drunk you, you, you drunk, you drank alcohol in excess, so you're a drunkard. You used drugs, so you're a drug addict. You, you were promiscuous, so you're a prostitute or a harlot or a promiscuous, promiscuous person. Those past choices define you. You didn't work hard, so you're lazy. You could put add to the list. You didn't do good in school, so you're stupid. And all these things that happen in your life happen because of that, so that's what you are. And you can maybe work really hard to try and clean some of that up, but that's what you are. The results, the consequences define who you are. But when you get born again, hallelujah, Jesus said you can, that's the word he used, if, if you are born again, if you're not, you can't see the kingdom of God. Paul called it, if any man's in Christ, he's a new creature, uh, a new creation, something that never existed before is the implication of that. And so if you've been born again, you may have a past full of consequences, some of which you may have to deal with. I'm not saying God won't help and God won't uh, wipe away some types of consequences, but you may have to deal with some consequences. But have you ever helped out a friend who made bad choices in life? Maybe maybe they had a child, and, and I know people who raised someone else's child because their their friend made a bad choice. Maybe they died. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they just were out there still doing drugs. So a friend raises that child. Or you take care of somebody's finances for them. I've paid people's bills. They weren't my bills. But but these people didn't didn't handle their money well. So I had to pay some things for them. Well, now when I took care of those consequences, they weren't my consequences. I can't be defined by them because they weren't cho- my choices. See, my this other person made a choice to have sex with the wrong person at the wrong time and produced a child. I'm going to raise that child, but I'm not defined by that choice. This other person didn't handle their money right, and so I maybe had to take care of their bills, uh, but I'm not defined by the fact I'm not somebody who doesn't handle their money right because that was their choice. 
If any man be in Christ, listen to me now, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. All things have become new. And in the last verse of that 21, I have been made. You have been made the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Jesus didn't commit righteousness. We didn't commit, I mean, unrighteousness. We didn't commit righteousness, but he gave us his righteousness. So what does that mean to you right now? Even if you have to deal with consequences, even if you have to deal with things that happen because of choices you made, if particularly if you made them before you were saved and if it was after you bring them under the blood of Jesus. But if you made them before you were saved, that's not who you are now. You are a child of God. That person died. A new person was born. Jesus was very specific to use that term, that born again, born anew, a new creature. All of those things point to something, that when I come before Jesus and I say, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and the and my Savior, I give you my life. I ask you to come in. Something supernatural happens. You don't just change philosophy. You don't just change churches. Something happens on the inside of you at the level of your spirit, and you are recreated. So the person that did those things is not the person that's alive today. I deal with the consequences, but I'm not defined by them. Does that make sense to you? The Apostle Paul said in one of his letters, I have wronged no man. Didn't he hold the coats while they stoned Philip? He did, not Philip, um, Stephen. He held the coats when he when they stoned Stephen. How can you say that's not, no, not wronging anybody? He went and persecuted the Christians. He put people in jail for serving Jesus. How can you say that that's not wronging anybody? Because that man died on the road to Damascus, hallelujah, and he's not alive anymore. And so even consequences that came into Paul's life, being rejected initially because people were afraid of him, that wasn't Paul that did those things. That was the previous, the pre-Jesus Paul. That was the Paul that was alive before. My brother and sister, if you are born again, and if you're not, go back, rewind me until I uh, get to the point where I talk about uh, receiving Jesus. But if you are born again today, whatever you did in the past, Jesus is your jubilee. All of those things have been turned around. All of that has been rewound. When the day you received Jesus, then that became a new start to your life. All of those things are gone. They're all wiped away. They're washed away by the blood of Jesus. And even if there are consequences, those, those things don't define you because somebody else did those things. You may deal with the consequences, but somebody else did those things. So if you stole, you're no longer a thief. If you were promiscu promiscuous, you try and say that word. If you were promiscuous, you are no longer that. If you were a drug addict, you are no longer that. If you were an alcoholic, you're no longer that. If you had an anger problem, you're no longer that. Those those things do sometimes persist in our flesh, but that's not who I am in my spirit. And my spirit, when, that's the whole reason we tell people, you need to get into the word of God. You need to get into the presence of God. You need to strengthen that inner man because when you do, all the other stuff will, will fall away. The Bible says that, uh, that uh, uh, if we walk in the spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. doesn't say if we walk if we, if we stop fulfilling the lust of the flesh, we walk in the Spirit. No, it's the other way around. If I walk in the Spirit, the lusts of the flesh are going to fall off me. And what's it mean to do that? It means to walk with the inner man in control. How do I do that? I feed it. I strengthen him. I, be, I think like him. I go to the Word so I can change what I see about myself, about the world, about what I can do and what I can't do. 
I become, I let that inner man filled with the word of God. I come to the presence of God. I worship and praise him. That time that we spend in worship and praise, it's not wasted time. We're not just singing songs. We're communing with our, our father. Our spirit is being strengthened. Our prayer time is to communicate with the Lord and let him strengthen us. If we can do that, then all the consequences will either be removed or you'll be able to handle them, not in yourself, but in the power of Almighty God. Jesus is our jubilee. And that means that nothing is impossible. And the past, oh, I, I feel like somebody's going to hear this and you need to get a hold of this. The past is the past. That person died when you received Jesus. Well, God bless you. My time's up. Have a great week and come and visit us again. This podcast is an outreach of Living Word International, a division of Intercession Ministries. If you'd like to contact us, please email livingwordintgreen at gmail.com. That's livingwordintgreene at gmail.com. Have a great day.